Hi, everybody, and welcome to the next episode of Shakes Pod. I am your host, Tanya Mara, and today I have distinguished guest, Dal Picado and Christian Pizzirani, which I didn't say right, correct? Close enough. <laughs> we, we only talked about it for five minutes beforehand. It's okay. Yeah, and I psyched myself out like I normally do. Success. Yeah, nailed it. All right, as most of our listeners know Dahl from her thousands of hours of bard talks that we've had on, <laughs> on the shakes pod and from stage and then also you've probably seen christian on our stage before as recently as last summer in sensibility yeah uh, uh. Uh, so welcome my friends welcome hey uh so today we were going to talk about uh shakespeare and film yes yes yeah 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 so Let's just, again, uh, Shakespeare and film can be three different things. It can be, you know, you have things like Lion King, which is inspired by Hamlet. You have just traditional Shakespeare, Romeo plus Juliet, Baz Luhrmann on the film. And then, you know, we have uh, biopics or quote unquote biopics like, you know, Shakespeare in Love, which, oh my God, is that a show we're doing this season? I hear it's what? Wow. Oh. Yeah. Oh, that sounds amazing. I would see that if I were you. Well, you you can't. <laughs> I, can, I can't, but if I were you, I would see it. <laughs> That's right, folks. We have star of Shakespeare in Love, Christian. A <laughs> <laughs> star adjacent. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> remind me, uh, remind me who you will be playing in Shakespeare. Oh, I will be Fennyman. Fennyman. AKA the Tom Wilkinson role from the movie. Yeah. I, I don't know that I've actually ever seen Shakespeare in Love. Oh, interesting. Funny enough, for, for a long time, I was kind of against it because it beat out Saving Private Ryan uh, for Best Picture that year. And I was I adored Saving Private Ryan. And I was kind of like, ooh, how dare you and the Academy. But then I grew to give it a shot and it was really good. So now I rue my words. <laughs> I think I always just I was never a big Gwyneth Paltrow fan. And so mm. I'm not doing it. You can't make me. I don't feel like you can compare the two films. I mean, I it's strange that they're in the same category. Shakespeare yeah. in Love is like so not pri saving Private Ryan. Not at all. I mean, they're yeah, they're nothing alike. Nope. But um, nope. I do love the fact that Judy Dench was on you know on scene for what thirteen minutes. Oh, the shortest amount of time in the history of Oscars yeah. to have won an Oscar. Yeah, and and one. I just she's my hero. She's That's, just amazing. Hero do do the most the least amount of work to get the biggest i like that that's great yes <laughs> it's phenomenal i know I it's amazing. and it, is that true is she the one that holds the record because i know there are yeah. a lot of of roles that are like like for instance uh i think Han anthony hopkins as hannibal lecter he was actually only on screen in silence of the lamb for like 15 minutes maybe yeah like that but i did not know that judy dench held the record for least screen time and bigger <laughs> biggest oscar i think it's 13 minutes I'm looking it up right now because just to be safe, it was so short. Yeah, having done the show before, she's not on stage much. <laughs> no, no. Oh, yeah. 11 minutes and seven seconds. Wait, how much was it? 11 minutes and seven seconds. Amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, kids, you just do 11 minutes of work and you too can one day win an Oscar. And that's all it takes. <laughs> oh, no, no. Sorry. You know what? I, I read that wrong. That was the average screen time for her Oscar winning films. Shakespeare in Love. She was in for five minutes and 52 seconds. Stop it. Yep. Stop it. Oh, it's much less. Less than 5% of the film. I know, right? Who is, what's she like? Oh, my God. That's amazing. 
But maybe, it, you know, she was in costume prep more longer than anyone else, probably. So they felt bad. They were like, that's a yeah. lot of layers. That's a lot of yeah. makeup that's here. Lot. She must have been warm. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Well, so that's our, that's our intro, folks. That's it. That's the show. Come see. And we're done. We're done. No. <laughs> okay. So let's just start out. So we'll just, I'm going to pick on you, doll, because you're mm-hmm. all knowledgeable, all whatever, Shakespeare. What to you makes a good Shakespearean adaptation for a film? Okay. Shakespearean adaptation, like, like. So your Kenneth Branagh's, your. Okay. Like, so you're like direct show. Yeah. You're just okay. direct play to film i mean i feel like it's sort of the same as doing a play on stage you need to know what you're saying the one that drove me absolutely bonkers was the mid-90s midsummer night's dream with calista flockhart and kevin klein now kevin klein as bottom is i mean magnificent that man is beautiful sam rockwell as thisby was great actually and played it serious which was actually pretty heartfelt i remember seeing the play we had just done this is right before um silicon valley shakespeare started when we were still shady shakespeare we had done midsummer night's dream at Northside in the mid 90s and our late 90s the movie came out and we all went to see it and i that was my kind of my first experience dramaturging and telling people what words meant and everything and it was my greatest pleasure to see the cast like scoffing at moments. There was one point where Michelle Pfeiffer as Titania said a fragment. It wasn't even a whole sentence. Like somebody had like edited it to where she wasn't even saying a full sentence. And everyone was like, that's what? And just like in arms. The other, I actually told this story earlier. The other brilliant moment in that one in Midsummer Night's Dream, there's a moment where Helena says, I do persever counterfeit sad looks, make mouths upon me when I turn my back. And I, our actress who was playing Helen had been saying persevere. And I was like, it's actually persever with the meter and blah, blah, blah. And so she went and the next time we ran the scene, she said persever and everyone started laughing, including Dina, like, like, ha, 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 you don't know how to say the word. And I was so upset. I stopped everyone. I was like, she is saying it right. Mm. And Dina was like, no, no, I can't have that. And was like, do you, she wanted to change it to persevere. And she's like, can I do that? I'm the director. I can do that. And I was like, you can. It's wrong, but you can. <laughs> and so she did, changing it back on opening night for a uh, a opening night gift for me. We had Persever. <laughs> wow. We're all going and seeing the movie together. It gets to that moment. Callista Flockhart says, I do Persever. And the entire cast stands up and starts cheering at the Persever moment that oh. I was revenge. It was... Uh, it was yeah it was great but the rest of that movie not great was it not like great. stanley tucci puck or something like it oh was, yeah that's like right a lot of weird casting that i was like yeah. happening with it he was wonderful but started the whole play like drunk and urinating on something as a fairy <laughs> and i was just kind of like what's so magical Mm-mm. um Mm-mm. There was, i mean there's some great performances but because Shakespeare's language is poetic it comes to life on stage when you're living in the moment when you put it on film a lot of times it comes off very stilted mm-hmm. and artificial it's hard to make it live I feel on film there's of course exceptions but a lot of them it's it, it's it's wrong a lot of them it feels like I mean it was made to be shared with a live audience it was made to get those reactions it was made to like connect and it's just kind of hard to do that over film 
it it's hard with that. And so, yeah, I definitely, I definitely understand that. Is there, so what, what is your favorite or do you have a favorite straight adaptation? Christian, why don't you start with this one? Because it sounds oh, like easy. you might yeah. <laughs> have to think uh, about it. Much Ado, Kenneth Branagh's Much Ado About Nothing is in general, one of my favorite plays. It might be just my favorite Shakespeare play, period. It's something that I remember reading in high school and was the first Shakespeare play that I was like, oh, I don't, I didn't fall asleep reading this. Like, this is a uh, really enjoyable and very funny. And I, that's a big one for me is the, the the comedy. So when that movie came out, I was pretty much blown away and I became an instant Kenneth Branagh fan in general. Like, I was just so amazed that you could transform in my mind, play successfully to to film. And I think what makes it different, you know, in kind of similar to what Dahl was saying is like the editing is very, in that movie is very, um, very well paced. Like it's not harsh. It, he lets things breathe. And it's like you would think on a stage, like there's no editing on a stage. You just, your eyes are what's editing. And in the movie, he takes his time. You take your time watching watching scene by scene, and it just feels very natural. And it gives the actors an opportunity to do their thing and be more stage-like, but in an intimate setting. And I think that's maybe like where there is that slight advantage with film is sometimes, if it's done right, the actors can give more detail in their emotional reactions or feelings that you wouldn't be able to necessarily see if you're on stage because you're acting much bigger, you're you know 100 feet away, you can't see that sort of thing. So that is a nice advantage if it's done well. And I feel like in that movie, it's everything's pretty great. Like I just adore it. It's so fun. It's such a pretty setting. Oh, too. beautiful the whole scene. The, the yeah. costumes, everything is beautiful in that in that show. I'm trying to think. I I I'm actually going to pick a play that kind of goes in the opposite direction with that. It's very very stylized, but I think Titus. With Julie Taymor. That's my mm. favorite. I think that one has to be my favorite too. It's not an easy play to do. And I think if you tried to do that play straight on film, it would flop horribly and you just wouldn't get it. But I, I just remember the end when like everybody's trying to kill each other. It like froze. Everybody froze and like they were twisting the scene like it was a matrix, matrix you know, so you could see where everybody was. But I thought that was cool there's some really gruesome things in that play but they did it very artfully in a way that I was just like oh that has that that impacted me in a new way the um when Lavinia gets her I mean mm -hmm. it's horrible she's mutilated she gets her tongue cut out and she gets her hands cut off when she gets ravaged and all this happened to her they make the boys look like there's like overlays of like animals jumping at her and like lions and you know big predatory cats and then when they finally find her again she's got branches where and so for first you think it's a tree out in the distance and you're like oh no that's a human being and it's very very intense but very stylized and I think if they had tried to do that play any other way on film it just it wouldn't have worked that's why I think much ado is such a natural sounding play and it's witty and fun and yeah. it flows very well I don't think you could do it super stylized I just it wouldn't work so mm -hmm. I do agree they're both they're both very good shows but very different for sure oh absolutely and I did like a I did a in college so forever ago I did a, a deep dive into Julie Taymor's career and so like you know she's known she started being known for her puppetry like if you've if you've seen the Lion King Broadway she's the one yeah. that designed the puppets for that mm -hmm. she mm -hmm. was a big puppeteer did all that stuff and so just watching like her go and do and she did Titus on 
it wasn't Broadway, but it was like maybe, maybe not even West End, but she did a big theatrical version of Titus before she did the film. And like the puppets were kind of in there too. And I think that she just had this like kind of lightning in a bottle type thing where like her puppetry and weird art style just somehow meshed really well with Titus and made it on screen. And yeah, it was the first Shakespeare film that I watched where I was like, oh, I do like Shakespeare. Okay, cool, cool. Great. Probably not great for a, you know, 15 year old uh, (laughs) to watch that film and be like, this is what I want to do with my life. Uh, (laughs) But of course, but also you have Anthony Hopkins as Titus. So it's, and I think it wasn't Alan Cummings in that too, as one of the, no, he wasn't one of the brothers. He was the prince. He was was the the new king, Saturninus. Yeah, Saturninus. Saturninus, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, dreadful. Oh, so good. So So good. So much. And uh, Jessica Lange. Yes as Tamara yeah just kill it goddess yeah lovely mm. oh and that's that's another thing that um I guess this is kind of a good segue segue um is you know there are just certain movie actors who get it as far as Shakespeare goes and certain ones who don't and so do you all have a favorite or maybe it's not even a favorite actor who can embody Shakespeare but it was just one character that they played and you were just like wow that that person gets it or maybe even a surprising one because I will tell you one of my favorite ones was an absolute surprise to me it was John Leguizamo as Tybalt Mm. I remember watching Romeo and Juliet the Baz Luhrmann version and all I knew John Leguizamo from was his stand-up comedy the pest Mario Brothers live yeah. action movie. Mm. Let's never talk Tuan about Fu. Wang Fu. Wang Fu. I mean, yeah, amazing. But and he's great as all of those, but that is not Tybalt. Yeah. And I just remember watching that and going, oh my goodness. Okay. That is not what I expected. And I love it. And I still think he's one of my favorites to this day as far as film adaptations of a Shakespearean character are there any that jump out to either one of you that you're like that person was either a surprising or b it was like oh it's a no-brainer but I still love it I I just my my one comment on John Leguizamo agree 100 but what I loved most I was not a, a huge fan of that as you know Tanya we have discussed it yeah, 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 yeah. I'm not a huge fan mm-hmm. of the Baz Luhrmann Romeo and Juliet that's fair um, but the one thing I loved and it's right at the beginning so it was beautiful is when Tybalt shows up for the first time this fast 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 pace cutting just went all slow-mo as he's getting out of the car and you see his silver heels and ev- and everybody's just like oh, no, Tybalt. that sort of reaction is what I think the reaction should be to make he is he has like 15 lines I mean he's he but he is the most terrifying person in that play to those people fighting nobody wants to mess with Tybalt and I loved that about about John Leguizamo. I'm gonna have to think about Christian. Do you have a? I mean, it's so hard. I, I, there are so many that have come from classically trained Shakespeare backgrounds, and like Kenneth Branagh, and there are others who, who I don't know what their background is, but someone like Jeremy Irons mm. in Merchant of Venice, and phenomenal, right? Just phenomenal. And it's it's people like him that are like, well, I'll I'll just quit. And move on with my life. I will just quit. He's amazing. I will never be that. <laughs> he's, he's got such a great voice too. The words oh, come of out of his mouth, and you're just yeah, like, yeah, 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 yeah. Just keep talking for. I know, right? Yeah, he's yeah. People like him, yeah, they're phenomenal. Going back to much ado, I, Michael Keaton was a surprise for me. Like I was just like, what? This is Batman, and that's what I that's what I associated him with, and now here he is 
like totally surprised me in that role. I liked Denzel Washington. <laughs> oh yeah. In that one too. Oh, Don Pedro is such a, I mean, Don Pedro is such a friendly, lovable yeah. character, but he brought that and also kind of brought that a little bit like he's, you don't want to mess with him. No, and he has he, power. Yeah. And he's just a handsome, handsome, handsome guy and just great to look at too. He's phenomenal. The shows that I tend to enjoy the much tend not to be the straight Shakespeare's, but like the Shakespeare's adaptations. Mm. My favorite Shakespeare movie adaptation is Scotland, PA, set in Pennsylvania in the 1970s. And it takes place in a fast food restaurant. Mm. And Duncan is killed by getting, he face down in a fryer, a fry fryer, and the oil smacks on Lady um, Lady M's hand and that's what she's rubbing at the whole oh. time. It has Moira Turney and huh. um, is it James McAvoy? It is not Shakespeare. It's the story, right. but it's not. And Christopher Walken is in it as a vegetarian um, Macduff who huh. is, says Baba Ganoush many times and it's wonderful. Uh. But like, for example, like when, when um, Banquo gets killed by McBee, but later when his ghost shows up, he's like, introducing you know mcbee's introducing his new fast food restaurant which is mcbee's mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and he's just like standing there and mcbee sees him and bank was just like why'd you kill me man <laughs> which seems like such a kevin smith line it seems like nothing out of works and you see the a lot of these actors and they just look Banquo looks like somebody's best friend somewhere i mean <laughs> it's it's a really really good adaptation and um the thing i loved the most is Lady M, who's more attorney, takes to wearing like a big oven mitt on her hand that's like this psychedelic 70s pattern. And she's going crazier and crazier as as Lady M does. But she puts it down on a wood block in her kitchen. And with a cleaver, she's going to cut off her hand. And right, she does it. And right before she goes into shock and like falls on the floor and starts bleeding, the look of the most intense relief washes over her entire body. Just like she's been dealing with this, rubbing this spot out, out damn spot. So you never hear the speech, mm-hmm. but you you get that feeling. The tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow speech is actually done on an eight track self-help tape that Christopher Walken is listening to. Huh. And the voice in his car is going, tomorrow is tomorrow. Tomorrow <laughs> is not today. Oh, fun. And it's... It's a wonderful adaptation. Very clever. So on that route, is that your favorite adaptation? I think that is. Kirsten, do you have a favorite? I mean, the only one that would come to mind is 10 Things I Hate About You. And it's, you know, it's just something that I, from like early, well, it's probably college days for me. You know, it's just like, oh, I didn't I didn't realize it was an adapt- adaptation of Shakespeare at the time mm-hmm. until many, many years later. And I thought, oh, that makes sense. Right. <laughs> but, you know, I think there's something to be said for a movie that you can just like enjoy without thinking so much about how what oh, this is tied to that part. That's tied to this part. If it's just like a well done story. Right. And they've just done a good job in modernizing it. The basic elements, they could work at any time, you know, at any point in time in history. And that's. Of course, like one of the great things about a lot of the Shakespeare's work is just being able to take the core foundation uh, issues or whatever and pluck them and put them into whatever part of history. And so for that one, like I just enjoyed it. Like it was just a fun, you know, entertaining and well acted movie. And I was just uh, and that's always the first one that comes to mind when I think when I think of Shakespeare adaptations. There were a bunch of the the late 90s had a bunch. There was that mm. one and there was O. There was um, O, which was, mm. yeah. And then uh, there was um, She's the Man. 
Yep. Yep. Amanda yep. Bynes. Amanda Bynes. Mm-hmm. And this one, and this one isn't Shakespeare, but there's Clueless. That was Jane Austen. Oh. Uh, because that's yep. Emma. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Like the '90s, they were just like, we're just gonna take. Why not? <laughs> All of the old stuff, and yeah. it worked. It worked really yeah. well. I still feel like there are ones today where, like, I'll be watching it and someone will be like, you know, this is actually based off of this and i'm like shut yeah that speaks to a lot i i yeah. love that if you're if you're watching a movie you're like that was a great movie and they're like that was actually based directly on 12 night by william shakespeare oh my gosh okay but the fact that that story you know translated into a modern you know through a modern lens is still good yeah. and people are still enjoying it means a lot that's why we still have jobs here <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you telling right at the beginning about how Lion King, it, yeah. you know, it's the fun. I'm, I would have never guessed when I was a kid, you know, like they just do such a great job of just, you know, taking this, a few basic elements and sprinkling them throughout. And that's all you need, you know? Yeah. And, and I mean, it's, and it, it's not even just movies. There's a bunch of shows, too. Um, Like Sons of Anarchy is Hamlet. Mm. That's what it is. It's Hamlet with a motorcycle gang. Fascinating. And it's very clearly Hamlet, too. Were there any other adaptations that you were surprised that were Shakespeare that you were just like, oh, okay. I mean, doll, I feel like it would be hard to surprise you. If yeah. <laughs> I think you could probably say an opening line and you'd be like, well, that is yeah. act five from Henry. It's bit. so, yeah, I know. It's funny because a lot of people will recommend Shakespeare movies for me to watch. And I actually haven't watched very many of them. And it's mm. clearly not because I don't love Shakespeare, but because I had a crazy Shakespeare professor <laughs> Homer Swander, who I, I mean, he died a few years ago, completely insane, loved him. And he inspired a, you know, a a huge love of Shakespeare and many of my college friends, but he ruined Shakespeare movies for us forever. He just had this very, very critical mind and he had particular ways that he thought plays were supposed to be. So we would go see plays together and he would come back and just tear it to shreds. And we'd be like, I kind of liked it. And he'd be like, you Ah. don't know what you're talking about. And just like tear it up. So we would start to go see movies and we'd just be like, this is horrible. Like, Mm -hmm. and we knew. So so it's difficult a lot of times for me to to sit. Was that the same professor that said you couldn't do Merchant without a monkey? Yes. Great. A live monkey. A live monkey. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That's very specific. He was very specific. He was. <laughs> Have there been any live monkeys in any shadier SVS productions? No. No, but we do have a prop chicken that we use quite frequently. We do. Have I feel chicken. like that's a good second second place. Yeah. yeah, I mentioned it. Brian Freeman directed our last one, and I didn't mention it to him, but he didn't seem interested in the live monkey angle. Okay, well, I mean, we've talked about the good stuff. What about the bad stuff? Like, there are very oh. bad. There are very bad adaptations of things. And, like, so, for instance, when, when I was back in 2020, when I was gearing up for the first round of Romeo and Juliet, I remember Melissa mm. and I had a day of just watching, like, the most bonkers uh, Romeo and Juliet movies we could watch. Um, and my favorite most bonkers Romeo and Juliet was Rodeo and Juliet. Oh, is that real? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's like a Hallmark movie. Type oh, thing oh I see. <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah, it's a young girl who like has to go to her like grandfather's farm or something. And there's like a show horse who she really bonds with. And its name is Romeo. But there is a 
like farmhand that she falls in love with but oh. like she can't be in love with him but oh. it's also more about her like rodeo racing this horse i don't know it's but everybody is named after someone in the show like so her name is juliet and like her horse's name is romeo i think and like i'm looking yeah. at it. it's it's judge lawrence not friar lawrence yeah uh, yeah yep and there is a wow. monty yes monty i want to say is the farmhand's father and the farmhand's father and Juliet's mother end up together which also leads to like a really weird thing at the end because like now you're sort of step siblings and you're dating and it's I don't know it's like a whole thing and I was like mm. no one really thought this out mm. but like mm. also it's a happy ending and so I'm just like you have lost the rights to call yourself Romeo and Juliet nobody dies nobody dies she oh. wins the barrel racing competition so she gets to keep her horse like, oh it's very hallmark yeah, of course hallmark yeah there's so many opportunities, like, like a rodeo, to introduce death in there. And my, my gosh, I mean, we could have had this big rodeo accident, Let's like a stampede or something like that. And there <laughs> right. goes Romeo. She fell in love with a rode rodeo clown. Whoops. Yeah. Yes. That didn't end well. What oh. girl doesn't? That's too bad. <laughs> I only start. I watched like the first half of it, but I couldn't get through it. And that was um, anonymous. It was a Roland Emmerich movie, which is the same director as Independence Day. So if you can kind of piece those two together, like how. Yeah. How how do you go from Independence Day to like a, a biopic about? But it wasn't I can't, it wasn't about Shakespeare. It was about the other guy. What's his name? Um, Marlowe. Yeah, right. I think that's what it is. So oh, so is it was yeah, it yeah. what is it a premise that Marlowe wrote all of Shakespeare's work? Uh, it was a different. Maybe it wasn't Marlowe. It was a different different uh, writer. Francis Bacon. Um, could have been Francis Bacon. Could have been Queen Elizabeth. Could have been Christopher Edward, Marlowe. Edward, Edward De Vere. Oh yes, Edward De Vere as well. Yeah, yeah. It was. It looked like a really cool stylized movie at the time, and it was intriguing. But it wasn't as good as I was hoping it'd be, so I, I stopped watching. I'm trying to think. But one of the ones, but I did watch the whole thing. But this is, I think, in a different arena. There, there is a version of Hamlet that has been done on Mystery Science Theater three thousand. Oh yes, yes. And that one to me was was hilarious. Oh, <laughs> I I I loved it. The, I mean, yeah. have, if you watched just the Hamlet, it would be That's intolerable. Right? Yeah, but it's there. I just remember the scene with the ghost. They just kept the camera on the ghost, and you can hear Hamlet's lines happening, but it's only the ghost. Mm -hmm. It's like the ghost is great for a minute, but like you want to see Hamlet's reaction to the ghost. That's the whole thing. But like, you're, no, no recognition Debatable. of the father, and you just hear, you know, the the robots in the background going, and camera two. Yeah, camera two. <laughs> so, yeah, it was a it was a bad production, but I oh, really man. didn't like it. I was never a fan of the that eighties Romeo and Juliet that we all had to watch in school. Yes, I just remember being like really disturbed and bored and all those things. And because just... they had they had Juliet like legit thirteen in that one, right? Like, yeah, she was legit a youngin, and it was like yeah. And I I I think I think I, I also had I mean I feel like there is the one that we all had to watch in high school so I feel like yeah. it's probably the same one and it had yeah, a yeah. sweeping score and it was yeah like, yeah but I I remember because I went to a Catholic school I remember mm -hmm. when we got to the love scene we had to fast forward very oh, of quickly. course <laughs> <laughs> the, the kids can learn about death and teens yeah suicide, but they cannot watch the love scene no. No, oh my no. gosh. <laughs> Not engaging for, for I think I may have even seen it as like an eighth grader mm. at a Catholic school and didn't it was just way above me and I was just like, no, this is not it's just not not for me. No. I think one of the other there was a version of the Tempest 
Mm. in the 80s and I think it was Molly Ringwald and Raul Julia I'm here I'm here for it nah. right what is this I need to watch it. it was it was modern Raul Julia was Caliban but I don't believe he was like you know a misshapen slave right. I think he was just like attractive um, Julia. attractive guy I was like mm, that's a great movie yeah it, it wasn't great it, I think it was like a tv movie but mm. James, yeah, my husband was like one of the ones who mentioned it to me. And so, but there was a period where we were like, let's just watch a bunch of weird Shakespeare movies. Yeah, it, it wasn't great. It wasn't great. But I thought of another one that is, but it's not, it wasn't generally released. Um, there is a version of McBee that Teller from Penn and Teller oh. directed. And he put actual Magic in it. stage illusions. Oh, that's awesome. It was scary and amazing they really did a hmm. lot when um when they did the the sleepwalking scene like lady m is walking and sleepwalking and she's wearing a white nightgown and she starts rubbing her hands on the nightgown and the nightgown starts bleeding oh. like wherever she went it was yeah there was That's some cool. at the beginning the they're trying to get the witches to talk and the witches were big big guys hmm. like covered in clothes like that they had just picked up off the battlefield and at the end he grabs one and he starts shaking it and then like he's just shaking clothes Oh, just like the guy disappeared. And this guy had to be like six feet tall and like close to 300 pounds. He was huge. And it just, he's gone. So yeah, hmm. they did some really cool, cool stuff. Cool. Um, I enjoyed that one very much. But it's like, I think if you want to watch it, you have to, it might be online, but I think I got it like with a copy of the Folger. Uh, you know, maybe you got a yeah. DVD with it. That's funny. Did any of you end up seeing the the recent one they did the tragedy of McBee with Denzel Washington. No, I wanted to see that. Uh, okay, was so, it good? I didn't get a chance to see it. Frances McDermott was in it, right? Yeah, she yeah she was yeah, in it, yeah. and she was in Berkeley yeah, like a, yeah. a few years back doing it. So you know, I haven't seen that. I want to say like that was actually like the transition where she did it in Berkeley and then immediately went to go film it too. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, yeah I can't believe yeah. Frances McDermott was just recently in Berkeley. That's cool. <laughs> sometimes i like get really excited about something I'm like oh that person was just recently here that's cool <laughs> like they were visiting you kind of i guess yeah, like... you know we were in the same area it's ah, i mean you could have like passed them on the street maybe it's true well i guess like the last genre of like shakespeare film is kind of like the biopic but i don't really mm. there's no big biopic that really comes to mind for me the only two things that i ever really think of as like shakespeare as a character in film is one Shakespeare in Love, which we talked about, and two is an episode of Doctor Who. That's really the only David Tennant and Martha just show up. <laughs> Shakespeare is just sassy and bisexual, and I'm all here for it. And it's he's wonderful. <laughs> there's there's actually yeah. also BBC. There is a show called Upstart Crow, hmm. which has three seasons, which is a sitcom, like a, a for real sitcom about Shakespeare's life set in Stratford upon Avon and London and like he, he has a landlady and he's a ridiculous human being and they it's, so it's is it Sherlock <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's it's <laughs> I don't know how to describe I, it it is wonderful in that they tend to base each episode around one of the plays mm. or something that's happening but I remember for for example just the one they did on Merchant he ends up like trying to write Shylock sympathetic but of course during Shakespeare's time 
anyone who was Jewish, it was like being a monster. It was like that level of ridiculousness. So the actors are like, okay, so I'm playing Shylock. When do I eat the babies? And they're like, you don't eat babies. You don't eat babies. And he's just like, what? What are you talking about? And at the end, they like he does the speech, you know, hath not a Jew eyes and it's beautiful. And mm. the audience just sits there and like no response. And so the actor pulls out a fake baby from under his robe oh. and pretends to eat it. And everyone's like, yeah. And it's just like, but that's what was going on right. during yeah. that time. Like that's the level of, so I was just like, whoever wrote this clearly has like a supreme love of Shakespeare and just a supreme knowledge of what was actually going on at that time and how we have to be better now. Mm -hmm. And it was, it's very funny and very fun. So I actually do enjoy that one, but it's got a little bit of that. Right. Shakespeare in love, tongue in cheek. Romeo and Juliet was actually first Romeo and Julian, but it was a, you know, uh, he was just experimenting. It didn't mean anything. (laughs) That's generally one of the things I've always loved about a movie like Shakespeare in Love or anything where they take some sort of piece of history and then just kind of make a story next to it, mm-hmm. you know? And so, like, you get those little elements of, like, the real history and then, like, this made-up story that goes along with it. And there's obviously a lot of opportunity there. And so for something like Shakespeare in Love where you can just you can see where his inspirations were or just see what was going on on at the same time. Those were so much fun for me, which is also why I love George Lucas in love. Those are just uh, the, the style that I can't stop loving. Yeah. Yeah. George Lucas in love. Yeah. A plus one. For oh, that. So, good. So, so good. So, 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 so good. And if everybody, yeah. if you haven't watched it, go, Google it. It's amazing. I agree 100% with the kind of history adjacent mm-hmm. films because so often history is faceless. It's faceless and it's just it tends to be just here's facts memorize this this happened then this happened then but to see just part of it brought to life in someone's imagination you know Mm. and this is how goofy Shakespeare was or this is something that happened to him and this is it it brings it to life it makes it real and I love that and I think like one thing that like we talk about kind of like as Shakespeare as a whole is sometimes it doesn't feel accessible and I think that sometimes it Shakespeare as a figure doesn't seem accessible so when you have something like Shakespeare in love where it's you know history adjacent and it just makes the person of Shakespeare this kind of lovable fun character it brings it back to like connectivity and it makes it more accessible and it just brings it off that pedestal a little bit that like just for some reason it's always on that pedestal and I'm always just yeah. to knock it off <laughs> <laughs> I think Shakespeare would be amazed to find like how how much of a pedestal we hold him up on now because oh, I mean it, sure. if you want to get kids into Shakespeare it just show them that half of it is fart jokes like <laughs> it is a lot of fart jokes uh, and once, I mean, I was showing it to my nephews and they're just like, what? I was like, yes, this is what you have a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful speech. And then a lot of fart jokes. Mm. And he knew his audience. Yeah. Yeah. And he's like, this speech is academic and beautiful for me. And now for the audience. Now, now the people paying. <laughs> yep. <laughs> in our conversation of talking about tv shows and stuff i did remember another tv show that i really enjoy that's uh shakespeare jason it's slings and arrows mm. mm-hmm. uh, it was three seasons and every single season they were doing a different shakespearean show and it just kind of bled into their real life and mm. i it was the first season and i they were doing hamlet or whatever and <laughs> I want to say it was their artistic director died or something in the middle of the rehearsal 
for it and like his last wish was that his skull be used as the urethra oh, so in the show and so they were like having this girl like well legally can we use his skull <laughs> <laughs> oh man but i just thought that that one was such a great show just because one it was you know a lot of shakespeare and fun stuff but then it was also just lampooning the like community theater group yeah. and it was it felt very christopher guest mm-hmm. uh documentary mm-hmm. style sometimes where it was like i know those people oh no i'm one of those people oh no exactly uh, <laughs> we are those people awkward. <laughs> it is always funny too because it's shakespeare there's always like one weird prop or one weird something that you Space need direction and you're mm-hmm. like what how are we supposed to like in oh god was it cymbeline exit jupiter on the back of an eagle amidst thunder and lightning oh okay no no worries or you know there's that really famous winter tales one of like exit pursued by a bear pursued by a bear and he actually had a bear it's in the budget bear baiting in the same place so. mm. and i i a part of me just thinks that's why it's in there is because he was like hey do we have the bear this weekend we do <laughs> we do (laughs) yes i i I would not be surprised at all (laughs) we need to kill this guy but how wait a second we do we have a monkey today we do let's use that monkey trained absolutely oh my god we ended up not doing merchant of venice we ended up doing taming of the shrew instead because we couldn't get a live monkey and getting a shrew is a lot easier yeah (laughs) (laughs) oh man but it's just funny because like it's it's funny talking about it because you know we go through production meetings or whatever and sometimes a director will have like what if we did this and i you know just like oh my god why would you do that and then i go and i read some of shakespeare's stuff and i'm like oh okay well no he wanted a bear so i guess you wanting that fog machine is probably not the biggest deal in the world (laughs) Has anybody seen the Much Ado About Nothing with that Joss Whedon did? Yes. Yep. What did you think of that one? I didn't like it. You didn't? No. I There's a part of me that really, really prefers the style that is more traditional, mm-hmm. uh, like in period. It takes a little bit of time for my small brain to see modern and hear Shakespeare words. Mm. And not to say, obviously you know, SVS and Shakespeare, they've done a hundred shows in not period, you know, in different scenarios. And what's interesting is it it feels like some scenarios or some settings really lend themselves to boosting the material and elevating the the words just based on where you are. But like that one, I think it's a cool project. Like, hey, we got a, a couple of weeks, so we're going to shoot in my house and I'm going to have my friends over. We're going to have wine and cheese. And by the way, memorize some lines. Like it uh, sounds like a fun thing. But it just didn't feel, I don't know, just didn't feel like much ado for me. That's all. That's that's a fun thing for like our group to do. Yeah, sure. Yeah, You yeah. know what I mean? That's yeah. to me, like, that's not a fun thing for a multi probably million dollar budget film to do. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. and, and I don't remember who was in that cast either. So I don't remember if it was people who could have actually pulled off Shakespeare just in conversational tone. Oh, like it had Nathan Fillion, Nathan Fillion yeah. and um, Amy Acker. A lot of Joss Whedon people. A lot of Joss sure. Whedon people. Yeah. yeah. The guy who played Agent Coulson from the Avengers movies. Yes. I can't remember his name, but poor guy. He was a nice guy. I could understand that. Did you like it? I have only watched very yeah. small bits of it. I always have people you know, coming to me like, you know, oh, you should watch this. It's so good. And, but I find this very interesting, like discussing it. I think it would be interesting for me to watch some more and then go to people who have watched them and mm-hmm. just be like, what do you, what, what do you think? And what did you like about it? 
Yeah. Again, just film for me tends to be a little less live, uh, alive. I don't know how to describe it. I mean, do you feel that way in general about film versus theater or just specifically when it comes to Shakespeare? I think specifically when it comes to Shakespeare. Hmm. People, I think, like putting something on a pedestal, they put the language like it's this elevated holy language up on. I mean, I'm not saying that if you're doing to be or not to be, know every single word because everybody knows that speech. Mm-hmm. But I find that a lot, they tend to elevate it to where it doesn't sound natural. And I mean, I agree, you need to slow it down a little bit and maybe make it a little bigger, but not necessarily. You don't need the Shakespearean voice. Yes, you don't need a Shakespearean voice. You don't need to make it fancy. Yeah, Yeah. I feel like there's multiple times where like, you know, even just on a theater level, there people will come in and they were like, this is how you say Shakespeare. And it's like, no, 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 that's not how we say Shakespeare. We just say it like we would any other lines you know what I mean like it's conversation that's why I think uh, a film like Shakespeare in Love is so magnificent because there is a direct difference between what's going on on stage and the language out there yeah Romeo and Ethel the pirate's daughter and then backstage everybody panicking and they're not doing it in elevated language they're like ah and they're normal people it's i Christian, I can't wait to see you as Fetty, man. He's such a funny, <laughs> fun character. Yeah, I, I'm excited for that. What I was going to say was like when the shows that I've been in, like it's always been wonderful to have Doll there present to explain what things mean if we didn't quite, if we don't quite get it. And it just totally changes how you as an actor really understand the lines and deliver them. Yeah, like you said, like you're not being artificial this is acting yeah. style of of acting and you are just like you're you're just delivering them as truthfully and honestly as you can but you can't do that unless you know what they mean exactly and obviously it's it can be difficult to know what a lot of the words and you know phrases mean well yeah and if they if you don't it feels like memorize it's like trying to memorize a, a list of random numbers yeah you're just yeah. you're never going to get it but once you understand you're like oh you know wherefore means why okay now yeah. i get it and you know it's going to make memorizing easier and it, it does it makes it much more lively yeah Shakespeare in Love I think this summer is going to be something really special mm-hmm. and I love I love also the fact that it's so relatable to anybody who's in theater nowadays mm-hmm. like pulling off a production by the seat of your pants and going like how did that happen and everybody like I don't know it's a it's a mystery you know? yeah it's like yeah it it happens every time you do a show yeah every time it doesn't, it doesn't matter how prepared we think we are every time. <laughs> every time. There's something every time. Yeah. Every That's time. the beauty of it. Yep. It is yeah. never, and like, and this is why I will always love theater over more mediums than not is every single night the show is different. Yeah. It doesn't, true. even if, even if you do everything the same way you have always done it, there's one audience member who's going to laugh or cry or sneeze or do something. And it's going to just change the course of the show for the night. <laughs> like, yeah. or some costume piece is going to break. And then like for the rest of the night, that's, that's going to be a thing that you work with. And like, I don't know, it's never the same. And it's this fleeting, beautiful thing. And I love it. Totally. Totally. I mean, your energy is different every single day, too. Like, you you lived a different day leading up to that show. There's no way it's going to be exactly the same coming out of you. Yeah. Uh, I always love the ones that there's always one show during a run where you're just not feeling it. And you're like, I have to go on. Yeah. I'm tired. All right. I'm just going to phone this in and get through it. And then you think you're going to do that. 
but you never do that because mm-hmm. <laughs> you end up like starting to live the story and you're like, nope, it's different. Yeah. It's my life. I got to live it. Yeah. I oh, love no, that. There will definitely be nights where I will come. I will like be in my car and be like, this is going to be a bad night or whatever. And then someone will crack some joke in a dressing room. And I'm like, okay, well, I guess we're doing the show the way it's supposed to be. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I love life. I'm back, guys. I'm back. I saw a bat at Sanborn. It's a good night. Great. Oh, my gosh. It's too diff- it's so hard to pick like one over the other because they're so different, you know, and th- I feel like there's such different ways of telling stories with theater. It does feel more magical, I feel like, because you are just in the presence of as an audience member, you're in the presence of all this artistry in front of you that's happening that it just you often just lose yourself, hopefully, if it's good, right? But with film, you just have the, you have the ability to really transport people to like a world visually that they may or may not see, you know, with budgets and stuff like that, that you could just you, you, there's just obviously a lot more that you can do, I feel like, in film over theater. But yeah, it's tough. It's tough to pick one. They're just they serve different purposes, I feel like. And I think it also opens up a future to like, I mean, especially with like the advances in CG we have now, if you want to do mm. Midsummer Night's Dream and, and transform the forest into something magical, you can do it. Oh. Yeah. I think a lot of movies tend to try to stay in the idea that it's still a play. Mm-hmm. And so they don't, they keep scenery realistic or they keep mm-hmm. try to keep characters realistic. But I, I would be interested to see what people do. I mean, there's there was a college in um somewhere, but they used uh, robots for the fairies. They had little mm. drone robots that they used as the fairies. And mm-hmm. they like paired with the robotics department and did something yeah. different. And I was just like, that's, super cool cool. it would be cool to see what you could do with something like that i'd be very interested to see like an a fully animated in the style of like i don't know if either of you ever saw the um adventures of tintin movie that uh spielberg directed Mm -hmm. i thought that was phenomenal like something along those lines where it's like all fully animated but like you have the flexibility to put the camera in places where you just could not physically do in real life and like really take advantage of of that medium you know, for either action or 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 just you know sweeping wide shots, things like that. That I feel like would be really really useful in that in that world. But I don't know. I would love to see that. It would be cool because I I feel like there was a, a production of Midsummer Night's Dream in the '60s that had Helen Mirren and uh, Diana Rigg and Judy Dench were all in it. I mean, you want to talk about mm. yeah, <laughs> but it was revolutionary at the time because they did a lot of film focusing on the actors' faces and close-up yeah. so you could see their lips moving with the language. Mm-hmm. So when they're talking to you, their right face is dead center and that's all you're seeing. Yeah. Someone's up in a tree and they're right there and you would do that. And I think now with those speeches, you could in film illustrate what people are saying as they're saying yeah. a speech. I mean, yeah, especially with animation or something like that, that would be really cool. Yeah. Be bold. Okay, my last question then is if if somebody was like, we'll make any Shakespearean show a movie for you, like and it'll be good. What what is a show? What is a show (laughs) that you just want a good film production of? And you know, if you've got a concept for it, cool, Mm. awesome. But if not, no worries. But like what's one that you're just like, I just haven't seen a good production of this on film and I just I I want to see it. Hmm. I mean, apart from the the much uh, the midsummer that you guys mentioned before, like the, I I don't know if there's a better one that I've just not seen. I would like to see a like a a more recent one is what I would like to see is like not a present day, but just like made with you know the right contemporary actors from today, and have it make sense. 
Um, <laughs> that makes sense. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I don't know if there is a, I mean, I imagine there's older ones that are that are probably okay, but I don't know right. if, if I've seen any of them. No. Yeah. I, like, I, no. <laughs> Midsummer Night's Dream's been a tough one to do. There was a period oh. of time too where they did like Midsummer Night's Dream. They did As You Like It with um, Bryce Dallas Howard. They did Love's Labor's Lost as a musical with like Nathan Lane and Alicia Silverstone. And mm. that was, and, and they paired Alicia Silverstone with Kenneth Branagh. Oh, no. twice her age, but okay. Exactly. Yeah, it was sort of a strange. <laughs> he was the um, I think he was Baroon, and, and every you know, and everybody else was like, "We're teenage guys," and he yeah. was like, "Hi, I'm fifty. I'm yeah. hanging out with these teenage guys." It was a little sucks, a little strange. I'm trying to think of one that I would really like to see done well. I feel like the tragedies are generally done better. They're easier to do. I think, I think a lot, I think for some reason they're a little bit more straightforward. And mm. I, I think sometimes midsummer is hard to do because you can't get so fantastical with it. And people just don't know what to do with it. I think with the, I think, mm. I think the medium of film sometimes makes the possibilities too limitless for people and they don't exactly know what to do with it. Yeah. It's hard yeah. to do a good play within the play. Yes. Too. That too. Mm. I, I think I'd have to agree with Christian. I think it's Midsummer. Just never seen a good. And Kevin Klein is amazing. Right. Oh, but absolutely. Even in that, even in that movie, it, he wasn't great. I just felt like they wasted him because yeah. I know what he could do if he was in person. Like he would go nuts and it would be amazing. And that's always so frustrating when you're like, I know that person can do better. What is happening? Yeah, right? yeah Christian, you're right. I, I think it's Midsummer Night's Dream. It's a good did dream. you ever see? Did you ever see Forbidden Planet? Yes. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Super goofy, but I mean, Leslie Nielsen. Oh, fantastic. Fantastic. Yeah. It's, it's, it's fun. Yeah. That's one, one that I'm like, okay. Yeah. That, that comedy worked. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. But, it's, <laughs> but yeah, they went that goofy. I can't think of a, of a Shakespeare comedy that they've filmed that I'm like, oh yeah, that one was amazing. Yeah. 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 yeah that's, that's fair. I, I also can't really think. <laughs> Not Shakespeare, but I, uh, really, 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 really like Oh Brother, We're Out There. And I feel like if anyone could do it, if if there is a, a movie that would sort of fit that sort of quirky, because it's not a straight comedy, right? No. But uh, that sort of quirky style, like a Coen Brothers type movie would fit. Like if there was a story that was good for that, I think they could absolutely pull that off. Well, that's a, that's a, a take on the Odyssey, right? Yeah, yeah. The thing that I remember the most from that movie is not actually the movie, it's the soundtrack, because my dad, that soundtrack on repeat yeah for my childhood i feel like something like like pericles or cymbeline or one of those like guy trying to get home like traveling from place to place would be good for the mm -hmm. lexia mm -hmm. cohen brothers shakespeare yeah well funny because did they do one of them joel cohen did the tragedy of mcbee yeah but but it's not quirky it's i mean it's crafty it's very unique but it's definitely not like what you'd expect out of a Coen Brothers movie, you know, because yeah. it's just the one brother, like not the two. It's not. Brothers. It's not Fargo. <laughs> it's not Fargo at all, or or Hudsucker Proxy. No, not. I love that movie. Yeah, very few people I know have ever seen it. Really? Well, it's it, so funny. It's a bizarre the little circle, film. you know, for kids. For, for kids. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great movie. It's so great, yeah. Yeah, I, I think Shakespeare in Love for me, it's it's that combination of like waiting for Guffman mm -hmm. and hi Shakespeare. And that's why mm. it, it that's why I loved it so much. It, it, yeah. That's why our show is going to be amazing. It is going to be amazing. Yeah.
I can't wait. I can't wait to see you in it, Kristen. Say a cottage at some point for me. I will try to get a cottage in there somehow. (laughs) You know, to this day, I still recite that monologue in my head just to make sure it's fresh. You never know when you might need to throw out a cottage monologue. Okay, well... Awesome. Thanks for thanks for chatting with me today. Yay. And I know that we've sort of talked about uh, the fact that Shakespeare in Love is coming up, but I do also like want to ask if there's anything Christian or doll that you have outside projects that are coming up that you want to plug really quickly or anything that you want us to know that you're doing out in the world for our listeners if they want to look anything oh, up man. for you. Uh, yeah, doll, you had something you wanted to say? I could see that. I, well, I've just I I'm going to be the, my next my next project is uh, I'm costuming the Twelfth uh, Night for hey. SBS, and I'm also uh, going to be in King Lear with Tanya as my daughter. I'm playing Ooh. King Lear, and she's my good daughter Cordelia, who I reject violently. Phenomenal. I know it's it's going to be That's... it's going to be a laugh riot. So everybody. <laughs> Just make sure. King Lear is going to be, I feel like, a powerhouse show. Like, no doubt. Like, it is going to be something that people will walk away from and be like, I have never seen anything like that. And that was amazing. That is that is my just basic guess from what I know. I hope so. And I'm not just saying yeah. that because I happen to be in the show that runs <laughs> in in tandem. But you know what? That just, uh, just trying to be honest here. You know, I don't have anything specific coming up other than just that. I mean, I do a lot of regular photography for theaters in the, in the Bay Area, so you would see my work probably on random websites here and there. But other than that, yeah, I'm kind of like a one-in-a-row type of a guy. So <laughs> this is my one for the year. Yeah, but you made it a good one, so that's good. Let's hope so. <laughs> Work-life theater balance, all good. Or, totally, totally. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you, my friends. Thanks, listeners, for tuning in, and we'll see you on our next episode of Pod. But wait, it wouldn't be an episode of Shakespeare without our dramaturge, Doll Vicado, and her episode of Bard Babble. So here's this month's Bard Babble. Take it away, Doll. As Hamlet says in Act 2, Scene 2, words, words, words. This episode's Bard Babble is consanguineous. Consanguineous means to be related by blood, part of the same biological family. Shakespeare introduced this word into the English language in 1602 in his play Twelfth Night which you can see as part of our 2023 summer season. Its origin stems from the Latin prefix con, meaning together, and the base sanguineus, meaning blood-related. The noun form of this word, consanguinuity, can be traced back to the 14th century old French sanguin, meaning blood. Shakespeare, once again, takes an existing word and changes it into a new part of speech. Another noun magically becomes an adjective. And you can experience it live this summer in Twelfth Night with this interchange between Maria and Sir Toby Belch in Act 2, Scene 3. What a caterwauling do you keep here? If my lady had not called up her steward Malvolio and bid him turn you out of doors, never trust me. My lady, the Cataean, we are politicians. Malvolio's a Pegaramsey, and the three merry men be we. Am not I consanguineous? Am I not of her blood? Tilly dallies, lady. Shakespeare invented over 400 words. This has been one of them. Thanks, doll. To check out this season's offerings, go to our website, svshakespeare.org. We'll be opening Twelfth Night at Willow Street Park on June 9th, which is our free show for the season. Then, up at Sanborn, we'll be doing King Lear, opening July 28th, followed by Shakespeare in Love opening August 4th. Again, to check out this and more of our season's offerings, go to our website, svshakespeare.org. We'll see you around.